0: You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 223. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Aptive. Active is that app that I love using to do workouts that are super easy, quick, and something that you can get done whether you are at the gym or at home or anywhere in between. They have trainers that create perfect playlists for you and they coach you through your headphones every step of the way and a variety of exercises. The next one that I personally wanna try out is their ab workout. It's called the Abs Intensive. It's a medium strength workout, so hopefully not too hard, I'm hoping, but good at the same time time. It's 12 minutes long and 27 seconds. And Amanda M is my trainer. If you want to try out this workout or any other workouts on Active yourself to get a free 30 day trial, head over to aptive.com. That's A-A-P-T-I-V.com. Click on the sign up button and enter the code, the lively show. That's going to give you the free 30 days. And then you can go download the app and you're ready to get started. All right guys, now where am I? I'm in Lisbon, I love Lisbon, and today's show is a really new series that I have no idea how many episodes will be a part of the series, but we're gonna at least start with this one. So there'll be at least be one, but probably there'll be more too. Let me know if you guys like this, because over time I have a feeling this is gonna be a series that I will return back to in the future when I wanna share ideas that sound a little crazy. That's why I'm calling it, Wouldn't It Be Crazy If? Dot, dot, dot Now, a little bit about why I'm using that title and just to explain the series in general. This is something that came to me and I wrote it down, I wanna share with you, that explains why I'm sharing these ideas and especially under the title, Wouldn't It Be Crazy If. I want to start sharing with you what I think, what I believe, or what I may intuit that does not necessarily have proven studies or scientific research behind it, or at least not all of it, because to wait for those studies to prove these potential truths and powerful perspectives may take too long for me to wait, and when we do finally understand their scientific background, we may lose time, and in some cases, our whole lifetime. I do not want to wait to share what may be beneficial for you and to all of us for some undisclosed date when the majority of people on this planet have come to accept something as true. For the mystics have been speaking of infinite intelligence and the power of meditation for thousands of years. And yet the science to completely quote unquote prove or understand the zero point field and cognitive benefits of meditation are still as yet coming into being. So while I love and embrace the scientific community for their efforts to measure, and improve beneficial aspects of life in all ways, I do not want to wait for their wand to grant me the permission slip to share with you what I hope or believe may be proved with their careful execution over the decades or centuries to come. So for this, for you, I share my whole heart and my whole mind. I do not have traditional quote-unquote proof for all of this for the left brain to latch on to much of what I'm going to share. Instead, I will simply ask you to suspend your left brain's disbelief even for just a moment and allow your right brain to ponder the wondrous possibility of what if, And indeed, if the concept that I'm sharing proves useful, intriguing, or resonates with you at a deep level within yourself, I invite you to try it, test it, or consider this possibility may be reality in your life too. That is what I have to share with you guys. That explains the Wouldn't It Be Crazy If title. These concepts are going to be things that you're probably not hearing a ton about, and I'm going to be making inferences across a lot of the studies that I've been doing over the last several months, or really the last year as well. And in order to have these conversations, or at least this one, I'm starting as a conversation with Erin Lochner. Now, you might ask, why Erin? First of all, Erin's awesome, and you've heard her many times before on the show. She's a blogger, author, writer, and just all over wonderful person. And I've asked her to come on specifically because she's not familiar with the stuff I'm about to share with you. She's not listened to the quantum living episodes. She's not studying quantum mechanics like I am. She's just a wonderful person who's open to new ideas and possibilities. And as I share these concepts, she's the perfect sounding board because she's gonna hopefully be like a lot of people listening to this, asking similar questions or having similar thoughts or hopefully just being a sounding board for me that you can resonate with as well. So Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show and doing this with me. Now let's talk about today's first Wouldn't It Be Crazy If idea, which is do our thoughts really live within our brains and our bodies or not? And if they don't, where do they live? And what does that mean for us? Let's go to the show. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show again.
1: Oh my gosh. I love being here. Thank you for having me. And I miss you. It's been forever. I know. Well, this
0: is season four of The Lively Show, and you were season one, episode one. You were also in season three. The last we spoke, and as the last time the listeners have heard about you, you had just released your book, and you are going through all of that. So what's new since then? And that was, I think, in like November, December of last year.
1: Yes. The book launched in January. Amazing response. Such a gift you learn so much just by the writing that everything else just feels like icing on the cake. And so it was really fun and busy. And now I'm kind of just, literally I've turned off my brain. It's mush, it's doing nothing. I love it.
0: What does it mean to turn off your brain and let it go to mush?
1: Well, I shouldn't say mush because I just do a lot of playing with my kids and you know they're interesting as well. But I just feel like at some point you make like this definitive decision to, I mean, maybe I've closed my mind a little. Just I put on my blinders and like, I'm not going to take on a ton of extra things for my calendar or my schedule. I'm not going to make a ton of changes in my life. I very much move in waves where I go through a season of, I'm going to really focus on change or growth or pruning. And then I go through seasons where I'm like, everything just is. And this is just an everything just is season. It's been kind of fun.
0: Awesome. What are you loving about it so much?
1: Well, you know, I think There's a good and bad to everything. I love that everything feels very habitual. I'm not putting a lot of thought into things, but that can also be a bad thing, right? Because then we're not really challenging ourselves to do better in any area. So I mean, for example, I've had the same exact thing for lunch for about seven weeks. What are you eating? We need to know what you're eating if you're eating it every day for seven weeks. It's got to be good. I know, I can't even stop. So, um, I'm not a big chef, so I just kind of put food on plates. And so it's just Genoa salami and goat gouda and pecans and a little slice of dark chocolate. And then apple slices. It's amazing. I know the apple slices are the only healthy part of it, I think. But no, pecans aren't terrible. You know, you just go through those times where you're like I'm going to just hunker down and do the same thing every day. And it's just going to be that. And then I get bored and I go through some sort of change. I don't know. Are you a creature of habit like that? You're not.
0: Well, right now, let's be real. I've been flowing so much that the creature of habit is not to have habit. The word routine actually now kind of scares me. So chatting with you is kind of like, obviously, this is chatting with everyone about my month that I've taken off between season three and four in May. So in May, I have been kind of doing things that no one really knows about. I mean, little pieces are on Instagram, but yeah, this word routine in the last year has kind of become a scary word to me, but now I'm actually starting to really look forward to what I'm using is to edge my way in. I can't still say the R word yet, but I can say familiar. I am finding myself drift towards the familiar. So here I am. I'm still actually in Europe. So it's, this has kind of been the plan. Although we'll see. Right now I'm craving home and roots. My my suitcase as I wheeled it out of Ibiza at the hotel I was at, my suitcase inwardly groaned to me, and I could tell my stuff, even my stuff wants a home. <laughs> my shoes want to be unpacked and not cramped into the suitcase that they've been, you know, shuffled about. So what I am looking forward to is having more familiar. And even while I'm traveling, because it still has not no intuition, no guidance yet has told me be here, do the routine thing or set roots down now. So what I'm doing in the meantime is just traveling to places that are familiar to me. So being back in Barcelona right now is actually really nice because I know a handful of places that I remembered loving from last year when I was here for a week. So the next places I want to go, on my list would be like Lisbon and London because I spent the most time there last year again. So right now I'm looking for familiar. I love that. So I love that you have this season of maybe it's strengthening, right? That routine part might be a time where it's almost, if you think of it like a plant, I'm sitting next to a fake Ikea plant right now in my Airbnb, I'm looking at these little fake flowers. I'm like, maybe you're strengthening your stem so that you can keep growing when you wanna make those changes, you've got a foundation that's solid of rest and recuperation behind you.
1: A hundred percent. I think it's always in how you're framing it and in your perspective. And I tend to always think in garden metaphors as well. And there's just that idea that you don't grow in every season. There are seasons of stagnant or stagnancy, I don't really actually know what that word is, where there seems to literally be no movement on the surface, but then things could be happening underneath. You never really know. I could be tilling some soil. Who knows?
0: You could be getting deeper roots and depth so that the growth can be stronger and higher because the roots are deeper. I don't know, I love this metaphor too. And I'm starting to feel a little bit of that. Like when you're describing that right now, that sounds so juicy to me, to have a place that I unpack my stuff, it doesn't have to get repacked in a week, and that I get to create more community and connection with people and places that mean something to me. And then I just wanna travel. So I'm still like a 50-50 split here. My ideal right now is still like half there, half not there,
1: (laughs) wherever there is which I want to hear all about. Like, what have you been up to for the past month? Okay. So I started the month
0: after the channeling retreat, which was also dovetailing the one-year anniversary of traveling full-time. That was in Australia in Byron Bay. And let me tell you, that was incredible and so funny, the timing of it, because I started the trip a year ago writing a letter to my intuition and basically only really having my intuition to communicate with while I've been in so many different time zones and so many different places and experiences. Also, by the way, having this obsession with Abraham Hicks, which everyone's very familiar with, to then one year later be at a channeling retreat learning how to do what Esther does with Abraham myself was pretty crazy. Like that I did not see that coming when I left off my trip. So for that to be where the one year happened to land for me was a fascinating flow of events, if you will, in the river. That's kind of beautiful timing.
1: That's really beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think that was kind of poetic. I think that was like the universe with a beautiful flourish or, you know, tying it up with a bow. So that's where I was the beginning of the month. Then I went to Sydney for a while, I think about a week, and kind of got some stuff tied up there, which has become my southern hemisphere home base since I've been there mostly throughout the winter. And then I headed to Amsterdam for three days with some friends and just kind of got reacclimated to the time zones up here and also just Europe in general. And then I went to this conference called A-Fest, which I was just at in Ibiza in Spain. And then I spent a few extra days in Ibiza as well in a different part of the island. And now I flew this morning to Barcelona. So that's been my month so far.
1: <gasps> oh, I love it. And now do you feel like Barcelona is going to be some roots for you for a little bit or you're not even going there? You're just going to go?
0: I'm just going to keep going. I don't think Barcelona is really my roots. I think Lisbon and London are definitely more my European root places. Edinburgh too, weirdly, even though I didn't spend any more time in Edinburgh when I was there last year than here, I just found it much easier to navigate and kind of master in many ways because it's a smaller city. So you kind of get your lay of the land much quicker. So I felt like I understood it a lot more where Barcelona is so much bigger that I fully don't understand this place, but it's fun to experience. I'm here because there are some A-Festers in that conference I was just at. They're here for a month doing this kind of university ongoing learning program that is kind of interesting, actually, and has some interesting programming around it. And so since I wasn't sure where to go after Ibiza, I just kind of float here knowing that they had an opening party for what's going to continue on throughout this month. So I don't think I'll stay for the whole thing, but that's what initially brought me here. Some of the friends that I made at the A-Fest experience they're just here. So I just decided to show up too for at least a little while. But now I'm kind of thinking, all right, once my visa hits the time frame where I can go back into London on the 12th, maybe I'll head there or maybe I'll even go back to the States for a little while. I don't know yet.
1: Oh, so
0: fun. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever listened to a Quantum Living episode at all? No. Okay. So these concepts then are going to be very new. And I haven't shared these with anyone on those quantum living ones yet, but it would just kind of give you a familiar place to understand where I've been going lately. So when we spoke, we last did those episodes on intuition and ego and those kind of things. Well, there's some new lively lingo that It's all about the quantum mechanics and stuff. So if you're open to it, I'd love to share some concepts and things that I have been thinking and having conversations around with people that I meet as I travel and would love to just share them with you and with the audience in a way that I think will be approachable. So as you guys know, I'm trying to do this in pencil. I'm not trying to sit here and show you, here are my 75 documented sources of information. Yes, there are sources of information for some of this. And then some of it, I leap from there to possible potential realities that could be better explanations for our reality than the one we currently hold. So me explaining this to you, Erin, is awesome because you're gonna have questions because you're brand new at this, which is perfect. So you're kind of like any listener listening. Any questions you have are likely to be the questions that someone else would have. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, your take, your questions for me, or even, yeah, what you're thinking about these crazy, what I call, wouldn't it be crazy if ideas? Because let me start off by saying that what we think is reality is truly just a story we're telling. So we're telling the story based on our observation and current beliefs around what our experience is like. Like our reality isn't reality, it's just our story. So 500 years ago, whenever we thought that the world was flat, that was a story of reality. Then we realized, oh, that's not true. And then we thought, okay, the sun revolves around the earth. And then we realized, oh, that's not true, right? And then we thought, oh, the world behaves in the ways of the physical laws of Newton. Well, that's true on the atomic scale and above, the subatomic world, as we've learned about quantum mechanics, has totally different laws. So- Wait, I didn't know that. Yeah, so this is the quantum living stuff. So you might wanna go back to the episodes in May, but just so you know, and for anyone that hasn't listened to May's episodes, let's describe what quantum mechanics is because I'm probably be sharing the word and I don't want that to fluster anyone. I'm not trying to sit here as an astrophysicist and tell you crazy equations. I am more interested in how do these concepts that scientists, astrophysicists and quantum physicists as they are exploring these worlds of the minute. So let's explain quantum. Quantum mechanics is explaining the rules and properties of the atomic and subatomic level. So the atom and smaller. The fundamental particles that create the atom, when they finally had a way to start studying the behavior of those components that create the atom, they realized that all of the behaviors that we see on the atomic or larger scale, like in cells and molecules and Uh, you know, amoebas and chairs and battleships. You know, when we look at the physical, if you think of Newton and the apple dropping from the tree, right, that's like Newtonian physics. So that's at the atom and larger. But when you go from the atom and smaller, the rules are totally different. Things can jump in and out of space at random, like electrons. They can have totally different properties and they totally don't make any sense compared to what we thought reality is like at the Newtonian or that larger physical level. And I always like to say that the power difference between these, the potential trapped energy within these two different modalities is really like the battleship in Sydney Harbor that I saw the whole time I was walking around in Sydney those are the ways when we used the atomic and larger, when we used that Newtonian physics, we tried to like take over countries. We'd launch these like, you know, these missiles or these cannonballs from a battleship. And a few battleships would go out and they would go kind of take over a country, like World War II style, right? Well, actually let's say World War I style, because then when World War II happened, this is when quantum mechanics actually started getting involved and they figured out the potential energy from splitting a single atom is the atom bomb, right? So that is a totally different game changer. So that battleship in Sydney Harbor now looks like a toy compared to the potential power within understanding the smallest of the small things in our physical reality. It's not about mass being bigger, more is more. It's actually the potential within the smallest things is often the greatest. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes so much sense. Okay. That
1: is so fascinating.
0: Yeah, what do you think right now? What are your thoughts currently?
1: Well, I mean, I think, do you do Enneagram? I'm a total nine.
0: Okay, what's a nine?
1: A nine is is where you embody all of the personalities on the spectrum. So you have a little bit of everybody in you and we're incredibly empathetic. So anytime that I hear like a fact is a fact is a fact, I'm kind of a little bit like, yeah, but what if the perspective looked like this? Would it still be a fact then? Or would it still be a fact then if this changed? Or if this, ch-? because I just, And I feel like when you were explaining at the beginning, you know, we were operating under the sense that the world was flat, then this was true. And then when we came operating under the fact that if X is true, then Y must be false. And, you know, so I feel like this is an explanation of science that makes a little bit more sense to me than my seventh grade science lesson did.
0: Yeah. So it's just about story. If we recognize that these are stories right now, we believe in the story of evolution. Now, not even everyone, not even everyone believes that story of evolution from Darwin's theory. There are other people that don't because they do not believe it because they believe a Bible interpretation. And there are other people that don't believe in evolution because there's DNA evidence that doesn't support evolution from a Darwinian standpoint, which is not nearly as well known in our society because people are so attached to the Darwin story that they're not moving beyond it because the implications potentially of the DNA not proving the evolutionary story that Darwin tells doesn't leave us with answers to why we're here, what changed and fused to telomere-to-telomere fusion of chromosome 22, etc. So it's really interesting to recognize and kind of zoom back before we get into any of these crazy ideas to just say, these are just stories. The stories we believe are just our current interpretation from our meager senses, you know, we can only see 1% of the visible spectrum of like light waves, that like the visible spectrum is like 1% of the wave spectrum. And so we've only been able to, like detect radio waves or microwaves or ultraviolet rays. it's kind of like, think about it this way. And I'll probably bring up this analogy in the future. Imagine a bunch of dogs are sitting around. Now, I don't know exactly what dogs can or can't see, but I know that their vision and color is somewhat limited, I believe. So let's just, for the example, pretend that they can only see green and red, just to make this easy. Just imagine all these dogs sitting around, they can only see this. Like we, they also can hear greater than we can hear. So we can kind of invert this from sound or any kind of sense well imagine one of them started to see all the colors and they're trying to tell the other dogs hey guys like this is what's going on oh my gosh there's the color blue oh my god it's amazing there's color brown and there's a the color pink and like all the other dogs what do you think their other dogs are going to say to that one dog that starts to see other colors they can't see yet you're crazy This is why I am calling this part of this type of series, I'm not sure how many there'll be, wouldn't it be crazy if, because what I want is to share ideas that are not commonly held by the majority of people in this society right now. And I don't even know if some of these are right. Like, I don't even care if they are. I think this is just fun to talk about and to hold fun potential realities or potentially better stories to explain more accurately What reality is, even though that is becoming, as you study quantum mechanics, more and more subjective than objective, because our consciousness and so much of quantum mechanics proves we're creating reality in so many cases, or not even us, but just consciousness creates it. What do you have to say?
1: Perfect. No, I think that's just a really beautiful way to present it, because um, there's such a fear and defensiveness involved when you're saying, you know, what we have believed for so long and so strongly could potentially be wrong. And it's not about right versus wrong. I think it's just about being open to other possibilities and then and how that might influence the stories that we're telling ourselves now.
0: Yes, exactly. So I'm not saying these are right. I'm not saying you have to change your story you're telling. I just want us all to recognize what we believe is reality is ultimately a story we've told and bought into. And this one that I'm telling you now, maybe some of these ideas might be better slightly some of them might be totally bogus and not better and some of them might be better stories and by better i mean more accurately or better describe reality but even that isn't like okay in 2017 jess lively at all or any other person has now fully finalize the story on reality, right? So in the year 3000, what are they going to be doing to describe reality? The story they use will probably be different than the story I'm using or different than the story we've used. And what's happened is a lot of our story we're telling about our reality comes from that Newtonian point of view. The quantum mechanics studies are only around, I would say, 120, 130 years old. So there's not a lot of background in it. And the, the Newtonian point point of view has been around for the last 300 years and that has become the predominant story and we're just honestly not that aware as a society of these other scientific things that are coming out and so we're not updating the story because we're just not aware of it we hear the word quantum mechanics we think it's complicated and hard and there's mathematics involved and I don't even care about the mathematics thank god there are physicists and there are scientists out there to do all of those amazing things to figure out the potentials and the formulas what i find Find interesting is I am interested in a holistic point of view, which is trying to recognize for myself the interconnectedness of all things. And that if it's true on that level of matter, I am created of that same matter. So I personally have the same building blocks, the same fundamental particles that are in a supernova, that are in an atom here or in a rock or in a plant, like the particles at the subatomic level are the same. So to me, I am willing to make the crazy wouldn't it be crazy if leap that a lot of those principles that apply on the quantum level can also apply. Specifically, I like to focus on the neurological level of our brains and the neurons and our thought level because consciousness, thought, neurons and quantum mechanics to me all seem intuitively very interrelated. After 12 years of personal growth study, starting with Stephen Covey, which is very, I would say, kind of like Newtonian personal development, just like what you see is what you get. I loved it, by the way, and I still think it's incredible. So is Newtonian physics. It's very helpful to fly a plane with Newtonian physics. Quantum mechanics may play some role in it, but obviously your plane is much bigger than an atom. So you have to deal with the rules and the principles that apply at that large level. But as I kept going through personal development and going deeper and deeper and deeper from habits to things that create habits, to things that stop habits, to to ego. If you get down low enough and you keep drilling down, just like in science, if you go from the supernova and you drill down to the subatomic level, to me in personal development, what the subatomic level is, is thought. But then you go even further, maybe thoughts, the atom, what creates the thought? Well, that is to me where quantum mechanics, neurology, and consciousness enter the picture.
1: Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. So tell me your first thing. One of the crazy
0: theories. This is just one subject. There'll be many, but right now I want to share about the zero point field. So I've been listening to the audible version of the field book by Lynn McTaggart. It's called the field. I've mentioned it on the show a little bit here and there. So people might've already picked it up or been familiar with me reading it. And I love it because it's describing, the space between all things. So in an atom, this may not be the accurate fact, but I'm remembering a movie I watched where they talked about the study of atoms and nucleuses versus electrons. And this may not be 100% accurate, but what I remembered them saying was that if you made the nucleus the size of a basketball, the electron, you know, that circles it kind of like an it looks like a solar system where there's like a center that's the nucleus and then around it are these rotating orbits of electrons. Outside in that orbiting would be 22 miles away. If we were to make the nucleus the size of a basketball, that's how much space is empty in an atom. 22 miles away is the next closest thing
1: to the nucleus. How is that even possible?
0: Yeah, let's just even go into this. So when you're touching someone, you're not actually touching. It's electro charge that is pushing against. So when you're holding your child's hand. Did you know you're not actually holding their hand because there's so much space between these atoms, your hands would obviously go between each other. They would just fall through each other because there's so much space between all of these atoms. There's really just mostly space, empty space. So the only reason you don't go through your child's hand, you can actually hold on to it is electrical charge. That's what stops physical matter from going through other physical matter. As far as the story that I have been told explains it. Okay. That's insane. I love it. Okay. You want to have a crazy story? Think about a massage. I think about this every time I get a massage. What is happening when you get a massage? If nothing's actually touching, how do I feel so good?
1: Oh, that is insane.
0: Okay. So now, as you're starting to understand that nothing's actually touching, most of this is empty space. If that's true, what is the rest of the space made of? What is the emptiness? Yeah. If it's mostly empty, what is that? Okay, so for me, this is the zero point field and that's why I love the field book because she explores the scientists that have studied the space between the things. All of that stuff that we totally ignore. We're all so focused as a story on the matter that we're not looking at the non-physical part that's like 99.9% of it.
1: Right, oh my gosh. Now, time out. Is this like just general knowledge that I just wasn't listening in science class? Because now I just feel like, oh, is this a basic principle of the world?
0: Well, I mean, everything that's subatomic is a basic principle of the world, whether we're aware of it, right? So if we're just the dog saying, oh, red and green are the only colors that exist, that's the story we're telling about reality. It's kind of like, and then a bumblebee comes up to us or to a dog and says, hey, what are you talking about? I can see ultraviolet light. And we're like, that doesn't exist. You're a crazy bee. And it's like, no, they just are able to perceive and experience other things that we weren't able to before. We weren't able to make radios with radio waves before we knew or could detect that they were there, but it didn't mean they weren't there. We just didn't have the ability to describe them. And maybe that even that story I'm telling you, maybe that's not even the case. This is a crazy. Wouldn't it be crazy if maybe if the consciousness of ourselves even decided that it wanted to have radio waves, did that become an existing thing? Who knows? I don't even know, you know, if there's no way to tell if it existed before someone captured the first recording of it. How do we even know it really existed before then? That's the crazy stuff you start to question if you're open enough to releasing your attachments to stories when you look at this stuff. But then it gets really interesting because like I am a pretty practical person. I'm not learning quantum mechanics because I think it's fun to learn about equations. I'm learning it because I said, I believe that I am made of these things and I'm making the leap that the principles that apply there also apply to my life or to my thoughts or to my experience. So if I can better understand how those principles apply to matter, I believe I can apply them to thought in my life and create more of the life that I want understanding how the world may work from a more improved story than the one we've been telling, which is basically that we're just, there's like a clockwork situation happening out in the universe, that things are just happening and we're these little moles on this little spinning orbit of dirt that have nothing to do with what's happening. But quantum mechanics is starting to disprove that. The observer in the experiment affects the experiment's outcome on the quantum level. So you're not learning this in school, but these are just really, I find it shocking that, and maybe I'm hoping that kids in school now, they're actually gonna really be teaching them in an active way, how to apply the concepts of like, I remember learning the parts of the brain and what they generally do, but I didn't learn it in a practical, here's how to apply it way. But I even saw that movie Enesia or whatever, that documentary that's on Netflix about intuition. It was so encouraging for me to see an eight-year-old learning how to meditate and understand the parts of his brain in a practical and useful way so that when his brother broke his Lego set, he went into the other room and meditated instead of freaking out at the kid.
1: That's crazy. Oh my gosh. Wait, what's that documentary called?
0: I think it's called Inesia. It's a Dutch word, I believe, for intuition, but it's in Netflix in America. You can also find it, I think, on Gaia.com if you don't live in America because I couldn't find it (laughs) outside of the US on Netflix, but I did find it, I think, on Gaia.com.
1: My question is, okay, so if, and this might you might be going here eventually, but if then we're focusing on the space between... And on the sub matter, then what does that mean for living a holistic life?
0: Okay. Yeah. How do we use it? So this is the, wouldn't it be crazy if, so they've been doing studies. We kind of think as a story that our neurons in our brain hold our memories, right? So if you died, would you kind of imagine that, tell me like a really sweet memory you have.
1: Catching fireflies as a kid.
0: Okay. That memory, that's a part of your memory. When you die Or even let's say we dissected you. Where does that memory, do you think, live? Where would we find
1: it? I don't think you would find it.
0: Okay, so you don't think it's in your body at all?
1: No, I don't. Well, I mean, I don't know. I never thought about it. The story I'm telling myself right now is that I would think no.
0: Okay, cool. That's really cool. Okay, so you don't think that, not that we could access it, but let's just say that like there's, would you say that there's maybe some neuron, we wouldn't know which one, or a network of them in your brain or in your body at some point? Do you think it's in your body or do you think it's not in your body? And if so, where would it be if it's not in your body?
1: Oh my gosh, you're right. Where would it be? if it I've never thought about this. I have no idea. So I guess it would live in my brain somewhere.
0: Actually, no, I'm so interested, Erin. Why do you think at first? And I'm obviously you don't. You've never thought this before, but this is why I wanted to have you on. But why did you first leap to the potential reality that it may not live in your body?
1: So that comes from my Christian upbringing, which is dust to as dust, ashes to ashes. That that you, I just you know, you picture that kind of childhood vision you have where the body passes away, but the soul is kind of lifted up into heavens. So I'm more thinking like, oh, well, all of it comes with me. I get to keep it forever. But nobody, like my body would just be dead, like nothing left. Does that make sense?
0: A hundred percent. And this is so interesting to have this conversation then, because there's different people that are gonna have different points of view. So we're gonna have the rationalists out there, okay? The rationalists are gonna be the people that are like, your body's all there is, agnostic or more like atheist, you know, like this is all there is. So those people, especially I would guess, unless they've been studying the quantum mechanics side of things, would say that they were really guess that the neuron is holding the memory somewhere. But what you're saying is There's pre-rational and trans-rational. So rational is like, what you see is what you get. And like the dogs that see the green and the red in my original analogy, those are like the rationalists. They're like, if the other dog's saying that there's blue and pink, but no one else can experience it, the rationalist dog is the one that says there's only red and green because that's what we can only see. So they negate the one that sees the technicolor dream colors. So what you're describing, Christianity is very interesting because it's been used in pre-rational ways that reject rational thought. So Christianity has been used by people and negates rational thought. And at the same time, the spiritual teachings of Christianity have been transrational. What that means is that it includes rational and exceeds the boundaries where it's saying, you know what, blue might really exist and pink might really exist. And maybe if you put in this analogy, Jesus or Buddha, I would put the Buddhism in the same category here as like, they're seeing all the colors. And even though most people can't see all the colors, they were able to grasp a larger understanding of a larger reality. Now, that said, for anyone that hates Christianity, because I know this is gonna be a very divisive subject right now, what happens once that one dog sees all the colors? Most dogs don't see all the colors. Most dogs are seeing red and green. So after Technicolor Vision dog dies, people or dogs in this analogy that only see red and green are left to continue the teachings, trainings, and traditions. So they can misuse what was perceived and experienced by one at a far greater level and bring it down to levels that have been not in alignment with the true original teachings. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, yes, 100%.
0: Okay, so we're not saying that every type of any experience anyone's ever had with Christianity is all transrational or is all, quote unquote, beyond the rational at all. But what is fascinating is what you just touched on is the idea of a soul. Now, that is a concept that's been in Christianity as a and what is potentially What's really interesting as we're starting to, from a rational standpoint, understand the physical world better, may be a spiritual term for a scientific reality. So, the zero point field, what is the space between the things? Well, waves are everywhere. So, like, waves kind of is what we're starting to realize is like. I don't know if I would say it is the space between. But what they're starting to realize though is that the potential, wouldn't it be crazy if as the science is starting to potentially show, go read the field if you wanna know more about this stuff, guys. If you wanna know where the resources is, go to the field to read this. But the memory of your fireflies may live on a frequency in a wave that your neurons of your brain are attuned to. So think of a radio dial, when you are listening to one station, it doesn't mean there aren't other stations. It just means that your radio, your brain in this case is the radio, is tuned to a certain frequency. So imagine your soul is just the radio station and your brain is just tuned to that radio station in the field, in the space between everything.
1: Whoa, so would then, would that mean when you have like a deja vu, does that mean that it's on... More than one frequency, or maybe more than one person is connected to that frequency? Or would it
0: mean that you're zooming forward or backward in time on that frequency? Crazy. Okay, so that's a crazy, wouldn't it be crazy if? We have no idea, but that's a fun thing to talk about, right? Isn't it fun to just say, wouldn't that be crazy if? And we're not trying to be right. We're not trying to be smarter than anyone else. We're just saying, wouldn't that be crazy if that's a better explanation or potentially a more accurate or intuitive explanation of our reality? Wouldn't that be crazy?
1: Exactly. I mean, it's basic curiosity. And I feel like that's science as well. You know, that's experimentation. And you're asking questions and you're curious. I think it's a wonderful thing.
0: Okay, so now so let's look at I love that you brought in the word soul because (laughs) there's so many directions I can go here now. So I've been thinking a lot about this concept of Well, actually, I'm not going to get into soul too much now, but that's a whole nother subject. We can have another episode on that too, by the way, about how I'm starting to think that this is just like a video game, basically, and the soul. And I'm not saying in a Christian context exclusively by any means, but just that there is a larger consciousness that is playing the Sims, basically. And we're the Sims.
1: Um, I just read about this. Well, I didn't. My husband told me about it. He was reading about it as well.
0: What was he reading about?
1: He would know the name of the person, but it was the like Silicon Valley tech guy that was talking about it, who was very smart, very well researched. And he was just like, What if?
0: Elon Musk and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes, thank you. Neil deGrasse Tyson's game. I want to have him on the show because I think this is so cool that people are starting to really open up their minds to recognizing that the mechanistic, like clockwork style of our story we've been telling may be a more outdated way of thinking about things, but let's go back. So let's just say your memory of the Firefly isn't in your head. It's a frequency that's in the field that your receiver, your brain is just tuned to. And now here's the thing. Most humans thus far, and we're just, you know, 200,000 years in, I think, of what we call the atomically modern human. That's a fact that could be incorrect, guys, but I'm just thinking from all the stuff I've been learning. There's so much stuff in my head right now. It's hard to keep it all perfectly straight, but consciousness has been evolving. Like 10,000 years ago, we were not living the way we are today, right? So we're just learning to even study this brain that we think is this epicenter for our experience, but maybe this. Frequency. This maybe the brain is just like a radio. It's just like this piece of equipment that's tuned to a frequency that has all the juice in it, and that juice is in the zero point field. So when you say like the belief in Christian faith that you don't necessarily go anywhere, you get to keep your memories of your fireflies. That could be true if it's a wave, not in a body. If the body goes in the ground, it's just like the radio died, the toaster oven died, right? But the frequency, the energy, is in the wave, the consciousness rather, let's just say the consciousness, the energy that animates the body, that consciousness, that energy may live more in the field. So if that's true, here's a few other things that may also crazily enough, if that's true, let's just say that crazy potential is maybe a story we could tell. Would that mean that people that are able to talk to, and now I think there's a lot of Huskers out there that are saying they're talking to the dead that are not, but wouldn't that be crazy if there's like people that are able to change and adjust their frequency of their receiving mechanism, their radio to other stations and maybe they could just happen to other frequencies of other people. So when they say they're talking to someone that's dead or they're talking Abraham and Esther, for example, or channeling in general, is literally just changing the channel because they're just able to use the receiver and move the dial. Yes.
1: Yeah, that would 100% if X is true. that That makes so much sense
0: right? Isn't that crazy? So when I've been sitting here talking to intuition slash Joe or whatever for the last seven years, I kept knowing there is a qualitative difference between the voice I hear that I call intuition and the voice I hear that I call ego. And our own awareness of mindfulness and our own thoughts is to me the entry point for this species to start to fully have potential better understandings of how these frequencies may work. Because if we're just listening to one station all the time, we're never taught that it can change the channel. How will we ever know that the song didn't just live in the box and that it's living in a wave, right? If you got a radio and someone when you were six years old said, here's this thing, you would think it's almost like a CD because you're like, oh, the song is in the thing, but no one else can hear that song. It's only me, only in this room and only through this four walls and a ceiling and a roof little 3D object. But when you realize it's no, everybody in every house can actually tune to that frequency if they change their radio dial because the song is in the waves, not in the box. If we can make that leap with our brains and we learn to use our brains instead of just letting the default programming of one radio station be all that we know, who the heck knows what's possible for our future?
1: Right. And 100%, that makes a lot of rational sense to me. And I think anytime we use words to pin down these ideas, it feels very confining because we are relying on the stories that we tell ourselves. And so my go-to is always viewing things through the lens of my faith, which I know we, I don't say that as it's the right way to view the lens. It's just my own. And so when I see people who I love and care for dearly, channeling the voice of god or talking about hearing the audible voice of god or experiencing something that felt so close to god that sounds to me like exactly what you're talking about or intuition
0: and that's why I always use the word that right
1: or intuition yes it's the enlightenment there
0: yes exactly so it's a frequency it's a wave it's something potentially wouldn't it be crazy if that is just a station here's something that's interesting lately i've noticed when i'm in a bad mood about something actually this happened with a guy a few weeks ago I was in Bali and I was sick of thinking about him so much and then I was thinking okay Jess I gotta just put your mind back on you you know just like just change the channel go back to you and then I was like wait I don't want to think about me either and I was like I don't want the story of my focus to be back on me or him it was like the realization dawned on me that I could just stop the chatter and just choose to think nothing for a while. Like, you know, like, oh, all that meditation I've been doing. (laughs) Maybe that would be a better channel to listen to right now than the story I was telling. And obviously I wasn't like tuning in and channeling him or anything, but even just like my own thought processes over time, as I've noticed I'm in a bad mood, more and more what I'm realizing is, you know what? It's almost like I think of that wave if that's my frequency and personality, it's kind of like strung out and shaking and vibrating and staticky. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to wait till that, station chills out. And until then I'm going to go change the channel and go channel, go change my channel to something that's more pleasant. Often that's just mindfulness. That's just breathing. That's just taking in the physical reality without my own crappy ego's assertion of what it means. Just look at the sparkle water, right? Just look at this flower and stop thinking from the same channel that feels pretty crappy right now.
1: Which makes so much sense to me because when I, even at the beginning of our conversation, when I'm like, my brain is in mush. So I haven't been writing anything lately at all, period. And I do think it would make sense that if all of this that we are talking about is, you know, wouldn't it be crazy if, if this is true, I think when we do certain things, you know, even with our bodies, when we are doing certain activities and habits and rituals, we are perhaps tapping into a different frequency. For me, that's writing. I feel... Like my own intuition comes out when I am writing, but I cannot form an opinion separate of that. So it's like if you were to ask me what am I thinking about, I am never thinking about anything unless I am writing or speaking it. I, there's no like there's no behind the scenes happening. I mean, there's a little bit like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I need to shift positions. But there's no like deep thinking behind here, you know, it I don't know if that's making any sense, but it would then. I think because for when it comes to different personalities, some people are very sensitive to noise. Some people are very sensitive to taste. You know, all of that would also then come into play here, if I'm understanding correctly, in terms of distraction from our frequency.
0: Yes. Or anyone's innate gifts or talents, like you just said, writing. Or any of those, like think about the symphonies or Beethoven or these people that are fluidly able to do things at such a transcendent level that most humans are not, maybe they're just channeling a different frequency in that aspect of themselves that we all can kind of qualitatively say, whoa, that's another level, that's another world away from where I am right now or where I see or what have you, right? Well, maybe they're just able in that specific way to channel a different frequency than what most of us have been thus far. Does that mean we're all gonna be like opera singers? No, I don't think, maybe though, wouldn't that be crazy if we can all be opera singers if we're just able to change the channel to some incredible opera singing ability? I don't know how any of this works. It's just so fascinating to think, what if this is a potentially more accurate story to our reality than the one we've been telling, which is kind of like your fireflies are dying and rotting in your grave with
1: you. Right, yes. Okay, so what would that mean?
0: What that means to me personally as i have gone on this journey with intuition and channeling and going what the what like this whole abraham thing seems so intuitively true to me but crazy to explain to anyone what i'm realizing is okay it's just a channel there's just these things in the frequencies well a we can learn and i don't know that everyone's gonna be able to change a channel to hear different frequencies easily But even just the awareness that you can just learn to turn off their lower the volume of your own frequency through meditation, that in and of itself is huge. Because then you don't have to just listen to this stupid same radio station that you're really sick of hearing. Because often sometimes that radio station's got the ego's, you know playlist on it and it's just playing out these crappy songs learning how to quiet or ultimately maybe even open up to changing it maybe that'll become more common in time right now they say that there's about five percent of people i don't know the statistic and where it came from but i've been told by people that have studied channeling for many decades that about five percent of people can do that and change the channel Well, what I would actually believe is that as mindfulness and as this stuff is quickening and getting faster and faster, and people are getting more and more open to updating their paradigms in life, that this is going to be something that becomes much more common in the decades to come. Right now, I feel like what I'm sharing is kind of, like I said, I have to frame this all as wouldn't it be crazy if, because there's no story and our Overall culture that supports it. But I think that over time, this may become a more common or maybe eventually the most popular story to tell in the next era to come.
1: That makes a ton of sense to me. And I think you've explained it really well because, you know, we hear even going back to the gifts and talents and and the opera singers, you know, the words we use are, oh, it made them come alive or it was such an inspired performance. I mean, the words we use are very intuitive in nature, right? It's not-
0: and Spiritual kind of, inspired?
1: A hundred percent spiritual, yes. And so in things that are very unexplainable, there's, there's nothing tangible about what makes an opera singer. I mean, a scientist might argue that there's, if a brought on the voice and the tongue has to be shaped a certain way, and I don't really know what that is. But there's often something very intangible about one person's talent versus another and what makes you feel more from this music and what makes you feel more from that. And I think frequency explains a lot of that. Yeah,
0: and even energy. So that kind of goes to the bigger idea of energy and how energy plays into all of this is so fascinating as well. Because like the massage, all that's happening is a transfer of energy, through these electrical repulsions so that the electrons in her arm or her hand are repelling against mine. So there's charge there that's happening and that's where I feel the sensation. But really all that's happening is energy shifting. So when you say that someone resonates with you or you say that someone doesn't or someone singing is at a transcendent level and another's is maybe not, maybe that energy is another way of looking at that.
1: Is being transferred, Yes.
0: And like where it's coming from and where it's being channeled from could change. Now, I am not saying this is the most practical of episodes. These are the things to me, though, that underpin updating or holding a potentially new idea. And this is one of the reasons I want to share this. And I keep saying this is, okay. so our current story of the brain, and it may not be the most accurate, but the current story is that the left brain likes coherence and the right brain likes divergence and likes new ideas and out-of-the-box thinking, but most people have a left-brain dominant mind. They have more connections, they have more use in the left brain and our society is predominantly left-brained. So that coherence that this is the order and structure of things, this is the way the world works, this is how I believe my life works and this is what my life is. That coherence of that left brain is so strong, it likes to deny anything that's new, different or challenges its own beliefs. Even though the right brain, which is ultimately there and very powerful, but just often for other people less used or less validated in our society is there. And so what I like is what by saying, wouldn't it be crazy if does, is it gives the left brain the chance to hold on to its story and the right brain to consider the conclusions I'm sharing as possible or real.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes.
0: So I think there are other fun things I'd love to talk about in the future, like heart brain coherence and the fact that one of the things that this, I'll kind of lead into this, so this could be an ongoing one next. We'll save this for another episode, but if this is true, that these neurons are trained to a field and that they're not actually within us, what they were planning on doing in the next year or so, I've been told from people that read science articles, is they're going to try to do a head transplant, the first one of its kind for a human and they're very curious on what's gonna happen. But the thing is, there are neurons in your heart and your gut. So his head is gonna get shifted, but as far as I know, they're not taking his heart or his gut or the other neurons in the rest of his body. So what's interesting is to think if those are also tuned to the field as well, and they have their own brains, so to speak, then what this person's gonna have is a mix of whatever his brain neurons are tuned to with what I'm guessing will be the tuned nature of the other neurons to the old identity. Maybe, maybe not, I don't know, right? Wouldn't it be crazy if, what's gonna happen? But what we'll talk about is not about the head transplant. That's just an interesting analogy of like, what is personality? What do we think of as personality? We tend to think personality resides only in the brain. We tend to think that that's true, but there's actually a lot of research that's going into the power of the heart and the gut in influencing and directing the brain. And that the brain's more of like, I think of it now more of a cell tower rather than the source of, Of the things. So yes, it's like the, it's definitely a huge important piece, but it may not be step one for a lot of the things that we're experiencing in our lives. And I've had some huge aha moments recognizing the power of breath from a literally really understanding why breath is important, like why yoga talks about it, why meditation talks about it. Well, they say it, but they don't really explain why. So I have a theory on why breath is so important when it comes to the brain and the heart syncing up. So we'll share that next time, but it's gonna also dovetail with this idea of like the neurons not being the source, but just the tuning mechanism to these frequencies in the field. How are you feeling right now, (laughs) Erin?
1: I can't even wait. Oh my gosh, no, I could just, I could talk about this for hours. I could listen about it for hours. And these are really great, I think, important things to think about. These are really good what ifs
0: right? That's all we need to do is just say, what if, and it doesn't mean we can't also think about all the things we're thinking about in our daily lives. But I think people starting to think about these other subjects is going to be so powerful because what I'm actually looking at, and I'm so grateful that I've had this amount of space and time as I've traveled to really dive into these subjects, because, they potentially unlock better stories that will better explain our reality. And if that's the case, the better we understand the reality, the better we can apply the practical. But we have to understand and update this stuff first. We don't have to, but I think it's powerful to understand why. And I think the left brain does like to have that coherence. So while the right brain you have might be jumping to a bunch of crazy stuff and you're like angel cards, tarot, or whatever you're into right now, I don't know. I think a lot of people are getting into some crazy stuff right now from the right brain. But I'm wondering, if we can also keep this left brain in a coherent fashion, just updating those stories that might also support. And maybe this is all hogwash, but I just think that the current story we're telling, we no longer need to see as reality, quote unquote, just the most recent story we've been telling. And maybe it's time to update that story. And you might not update it the way I'm choosing to think about stuff, that's totally fine. But just even recognizing you can update your own story is super powerful, just even at that level
1: alone. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for teaching me today.
0: Well, I don't know if teaching, sharing with me. And and thank you for sharing. I love your Christian faith because spirituality, and I'm putting Buddhism in many ways, Not they're not entirely identical, right? But many ways I would say that the spiritual teachings have often been maybe alluding to some of these concepts. So they're just using the word soul, potentially, potentially. And I actually don't even know that I would say this, but maybe the word soul is just like speaking to the frequency. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But that could be a transrational concept that has a spiritual language to it and also can have a scientific. We just haven't thus far had a way to explain it as such. So anyways, Erin, this is awesome. I'm so excited if you're open to coming back on and talking with us. And thank you for everyone listening. If you guys like this, please let us know. I am very curious if you guys are open to doing some scuba diving on these interesting topics. At least they're interesting to me as well.
1: Yes, me too. Thank you for having me.
0: And there you have it. If you'd like to send Aaron a message, you can do so over on Instagram at Aaron Lochner. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in crazy pants lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to Jess com slash zero point field. Before I share where I'm headed to next, I'd like to talk about today's sponsor, freshbooks.com. FreshBooks is my amazing bookkeeping software that I love using. It makes me like bookkeeping, which is saying a lot. I can't imagine ever saying that except for the fact that I use FreshBooks. I'm so grateful that they exist on this planet. I appreciate them so much for making bookkeeping fun, pretty, and easy to use. It's easy for me, any of my clients, or my team members to log in. Everyone can have their own login. I can see when my sponsors, for example, have looked at or viewed their invoices, which is kind of nice. And once they have paid, it automatically updates that so I don't have to go in or my bookkeeper have to go in and actually update that ourselves. It's awesome and I want to give you guys a free 30-day trial. So head over to freshbooks.com lively to give your free 30-day trial a shot and see if you like it as much as I do. Now for where I'm headed to next, I am going to London. Yes, London, that's where I'm going to be. It is awesome. I love London. It's basically one of my northern hemisphere homes at this point and Yeah. I've got some exciting things coming on, maybe a meetup or two. Stay tuned on Instagram for that. And until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today.